Hey, Jackson. Hello. You remember six months ago when we did one of these and I, you were like, if I don't play near Automata, uh, pain of death. Uh, I, I, uh, I, objection, objection, objection. Uh, that's the wrong franchise. Thank you. This is near, not Ace Attorney. Uh, I object to this uh, nope. due to extenuating instead circumstances. Of, instead of objecting to this, how about we eject your existence chip? Goodbye, Jackson. I'm taking applications for a new podcaster. No, 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 no! Starting to fade. I'm Mr. King Dice. I'm the gamest in the land. Never play nice. I'm the devil's right hand man. I can't let you pass, cause you ain't done everything. Bring me those contracts, come on, bring them to the king. If you haven't finished your plans, haven't worked assiduously, no, I cannot let you pass. Don't you mess with me. Don't mess with King Ty. episode 72 jackson hello you're alive again i'm alive i'm fine everything's fine yeah you reload your save go figure Uh, (laughs) it is the end of the year christmas is over it's just uh all wrapping up now new year's is coming uh i hope you've all had a good year that means it's time for our game of the year which mostly means a music episode yes as we started tradition last year, we are going to be having a music episode with some talk about the games we played this year. Recaps of the year, we've got guest segments from friends. It's going to be a good time. Uh, bringing us in to this episode was Die House by Evan Skolnick from Cuphead. But yeah, we are going to go through uh, the music of the games we've played in the last six months. Because if you uh, went back in our archives, we did another like December to June like yeah, music episode in June. Um and there was a lot of music there. This will only be games we played from June to November when we cut it off. Uh, but there's a lot of music. There's a good... I mean, you see the runtime of this episode. It's a long episode. We, we're just saying that. It currently says two minutes for me. <laughs> <laughs> you know that we have like an, an hour and like 30 minutes of music already set up and ready to go. Oh, it's going to be a good time. We love these music episodes. Sorry, I just nope. bumped the table. No, it's fine. Uh, you, you know, I'm editing this and I can't fix it, so... I'll just let it ride. So our first musical segment, we're just going to get right into it because we got a lot of stuff to go. It yes. is four songs from Wolfenstein 3D. We have Level Complete and Get Them, both exclamation points because the 90s are wild, y'all, both by Robert Prince. We have 
Legacy by the Gone Jackals from Full Throttle, and we have Surface of SR388 by Daisuke Matsuoka and Kenji Yamamoto from Metroid Samus Returns.
Metroid's not very good, but the music, actually, you know what? The music's not very good either, except for that one song. I went through the entire soundtrack. I was like, there's got to be a good song in here. And there was. It was this one. I used it. I thought you liked Samus Returns. I, I like most of Samus Returns. I don't know. It's weird. I think my, so I played AM2R and I played Samus Returns. And I, the thing that I actually, uh, that's not what it's called. What is that? What's that? Is that game called AM2R? AM2R. Another it? Metroid 2 remake. I always yes. get the letters <laughs> the wrong way around. Yeah. Um. And the main takeaway was that Metroid 2 is good and you should play it with like an FAQ and like save states, but you should play it. It's a good game. Yeah. You came away from those being like, none of these capture what you felt about the Game Boy game, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I will play some more Metroid one day. I've only played one Metroid game. But uh, speaking of games that are maybe not great, we want to talk about the worst games of this year. Jackson. The worst. So... That list that is a lie because they are not the yes. worst games nor from this year necessarily. Yeah, no. Yeah, I guess caveat going into this, maybe we should have put this in the intro, but whatever. We're doing this off the cuff. Abnormal mapping game of the year awards are always about games that are new to us in a given year, not necessarily new games from 2017. Come on, you know how this podcast works. It would be disingenuous of us to run the cast like we did and then like focus our end of year thing on like new game celebration. Every other game site has you covered. You can go listen to Giant Bomb. We will be doing this. It's fine. We all enjoy it, but we're going to be doing something different as always. And now I'm going to list five games that aren't the best. The ones you liked the least, in fact. Uh, like the least is a good way of saying it, because they're not all bad, but they are. They did cause disappointment in me. Well, um, I, I, There are actively games I dislike in the, my worst games, so... There are games I despise on this list, but not this one. So, beginning uh, is Heat Signature, the game from Tom Francis, I believe. Uh, the, the follow-up to Gunpoint. I think Tom Francis is his name. Yeah. Cool, good, nailed it. But Heat Signature is a top-down game where you go aboard space... Blah, blah, blah. Heat Signature... God damn it, clown shoes. <laughs> <laughs> this can all stay in if you want, but it's I'm fucking up. Heat Signature is a top-down game where you do heists aboard procedurally generated spaceships. And what this means is that there is a lot of incredibly interesting stealth mechanics and incredibly interesting ways to interact with the people. Like... The guards on the ships will have set routines and you will have different ways of interacting with them, like you can shoot them, you can knock them out, you can clone key cards, you can teleport, you can do all these things and they all interact like systemically in very cool ways. It is a great little game for like an hour and then it, in my opinion, kind of all falls into nothing because it's all procedurally generated and the thing that gives, at least to me, these kind of stealth games their... Uh, appeal is the design of the levels is being given these tools in moments that feel crafted and like are are intentional Uh, and i understand why heat signature is how it is uh all the complaints about gunpoint were oh it's only two hours long and it is it's perfect i love gunpoint uh but every level in gunpoint is like crafted and, and very specific and i understand why it is a terrible idea to do that financially in 2017 but it definitely made heat signature very disappointing to me because i i see it i see the potential there there is so many things that i enjoy about it but because it's all procedurally generated like all the stories feel flat like yes i can technically die and then like rescue myself and these stories are generated by me and the world interacting but it all just fades away into numbers eventually like well who's got the best equipment how many things have i unlocked you just see the systems and you see the uh, cardboard cutout elements of the levels repeating and it was a shame but yes he's not like a bad game uh, made by someone who's incredibly talented who almost gets to something I love but because of the way games have gone and that kind of procedural generation it just it was very disappointing to me 
Number four on my list is Mega Man X. I'm sorry, I know this is controversial, but I love Mega Man. I love it so much. I played all the Mega Man NES games uh, over the last couple of years. Mega Man 6 is probably my favorite. Like, it's a very breezy game. The jetpack's amazing. It's cute. The music's good. It's all, like, this right mix of cool and hard platforming, uh, like, really good environments, really good music, and a really nice sense of tone. Mega Man X is the dark future Mega Man, and the music's all on, like, SNES guitars, and it's, it's just not what I'm looking for. I understand that for a lot of people... Mega Man X is like the Mega Man of their childhood. Mega Man X has a lot of like specific nostalgia uh, outside of the Mega Man franchise, but playing that after playing the Mega Man games, it's a real bummer. It's just not what I'm looking for at all, uh, which is a shame. Maybe I'll play one of the later X games and it will be a little better as they learn to design for these like the dashes and really the charge shots and the way that the like mechanics have changed in X, and maybe I'll enjoy those more. But for now, it was very disappointing after coming off of Mega Man 1 to 6. Third on my list is Fury, which is a uh, like bullet hell co- uh, combat game. I guess kind of like near, like it is a uh, game where you fight a bunch of bosses and there's bullet hell stuff, and you are also using a sword. Uh, it's really fucking hard. It's like the story is abstract in a really insufferable way to me. Like this is this these are the games I actually don't like now. Sorry if person who people who made Fury are listening, uh, but I, I don't like a video game. It's not for me. Uh, it, the the story is like super abstract in a way that just means that a lot of people are talking about events without any proper nouns and they go like ah i knew that this would happen this is what the thing did because they were there at the start and i'm like i don't know what's happening i'm gonna have to look at a wiki to find out the story later because you're not telling a story you're like dropping hints and not really putting that together the game's way too difficult and it like revels in its difficulty in a way that is very unpleasant and very like you've got to get good in a way that like the community of like dark souls has the reputation of being but the game isn't actually that it's kind of indifferent towards you uh, whereas this is not so fury fury is a bad game i'm sad to say number two is driver san francisco which i played for about 45 minutes and hated with all my being because i was looking for an open world racing game i love me some burnout paradise i wanted a new one i wanted to just play a video game for a bit and drive around i'd heard good things about driver san francisco it's like kind of a little cult classic and like classics bit uh a bit too high but you can switch between cars and throw them at people it's crazy people like that stuff I just thought it was really bad. It feels terrible to drive the car. That's the problem, is that the act of pressing the accelerator button and turning left and right feels awful. And from that, the whole game fell apart. I don't have anything deep to say, but Driver San Francisco was very disappointing, and then I uninstalled it. But number one, which is might actually be the worst game of the year, just in terms of, you know, everything about it because of... It's Star Wars Battlefront 2, is what I'm saying. I downloaded the demo version, the 10-hour demo version, because that was uh, free with Origin Access, and I thought, let's have a shot at this. Let's see what the Star Wars is like. And to its credit, I did hear the droid say, Roger, Roger, that was good, but that was where it ended. The single-player campaign is... Oh, it's really, really bad. Uh, and something that is strange about it to me and the reaction to it is how 
that game is praised for like looking and feeling like Star Wars and it, attention to details put in like the sets and the costumes and everything, but there's n it, it's not lit like a Star Wars movie. It's a shiny video game with shiny textures and looks nice in that way that a Star Wars movie never does. And that aesthetic disconnect is like super pronounced to me and I hate it a lot. Uh, and I don't see that mentioned a lot. Obviously, the other terrible things about this game are mentioned ad nauseum, and they are—they suck here too. It's bad on a lot of levels. Uh, so yes, that is the worst game on my list. But that's it. That's my games. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you'd think that like uh, being sanctioned by a like a foreign government would be enough to make a game be the worst on your list. But actually, there's two games that happened to this year, and one of them did not appear. Of course, you I didn't play it. I mean, no, I played uh, I played Ghost Recon Wildlands for the same amount of time I played Battlefront oh, 2. Cause I, really? I played that on the trial with uh, in some co-op. That game's also fucking terrible. I just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that, that is much worse than every... I guess that can share the top spot because it's worse than Driver San Francisco because the country hates it. A country had to, like, sue about that game. God. Yep. Disgusting. So, <laughs> let's talk about something good, which is some music. Yes. We have a block of Shovel Knight tunes for you. Uh, we, we sure have, do. Uh, we have High Above the Land and In the Halls of the Asuper, both by Jake, Co Jake Kaufman. And then we have A Thousand Leagues Below by Manami Matsunime. Um, and please enjoy these. And we'll be back with more games. <laughs>
Man, Shovel Knight is the best. I love that game. I love the music. It's so good. It, I like to listen to it. It might show up later in this podcast. <laughs> Who knows? It's almost like we've got lists in front of us right now. Yeah. So you've got the games you didn't like this time. I haven't actually seen your list. What is your worst games list? Go down that top five. So the, my fifth worst game of 2017 is Shantae Half Genie Hero, which is Aww. a game I backed on Kickstarter. Um, I like Shantae. Uh, she's a cute genie girl. She's in kind of exploratory platformers. This was way forward. Like, oh, we're going to kickstart this. We want to make a full Shantae for consoles as a downloadable title. And the game itself just, it has incredible art and it sounds great, but it's just a chore to play. And I went back after this and I was like, maybe Shantae was always bad. And I played the one right before this, um, which is Pirate's Curse, I think. I don't remember. There's yes, a lot of names. It Pirate's Curse. Uh, that game's amazing. So it's just this game, really. That's a real shame. Uh, it's it, it's just uh, a game that's not on this list, uh, but would be if I had 11 entries, was uh, um, uh, Wonder Boy and Monster World, The Dragon's Trap. That's the full name of that type game, right? Yes, that is. Uh, yeah. you, you mean the top list? Y- yeah. Yeah. In my best lists, yes. yes. It would be there. Um, and that's basically Shantae Half Genie Hero, but good. Uh, so play that game instead. Uh, that's all. I, like this game is just disappointing to run through. Like I like Shantae, but uh, you can play uh, Dragon's Trap and uh, you can play as a girl. And so it's basically Shantae at that point. Uh, my fourth worst game is Headlander. Oh, uh, Headlander is uh, is like this retro '70s futurism Metroidvania style game, and it looks great and it sounds great and it plays great. And then about maybe halfway in you are thrust into this whole section of the game that is in like in this giant battle arena that's all about like everyone's dressed as chess pieces and it just looks like the matrix but purple and all of the aesthetic goes away for like weird cyber stuff it it just looks like the bad cyber shit in like saints row and it ruins the aesthetic and it's just a big combat area and you can't skip it you just have to go through it and i deleted the game it's terrible (laughs) don't do this that's a real shame because there's stuff about that game that looks incredibly cool. Like I would like yeah, to play. Yeah, no, it I, I was really enjoying it right up until that point. Third worst game, Kotor Two. <laughs> we played this for podcast earlier this year. You can go check out that episode. Uh, Knights of the Republic is a cool game that is like not great, but understands Star Wars. Kotor Two is like an angry kid complaining about Star Wars, but they didn't actually watch Star Wars before they wrote the book report. It, it doesn't understand what Star Wars is, so its critiques all fall on deaf ears. We talked about this ad nauseum in that episode. Please just go listen to that episode. I don't like Kotor 2. That's my take. I have now read one expanded universe Star Wars novel, and I understand Kotor 2 more. That's that, I, I, yeah, I know. We've had this conversation. It's yes. not really germane to this, but yeah, I, I get it. Yes. Um, we will not talk about Star Wars, but... The second worst game of 2017 for me, Doom 4. <laughs> right, Doom 4, God. People Fight love the Doom power. 4. Fight the power. They say it's like, oh, Doom's back, and it's just as good as it ever was. No, these people are wrong. Doom is back, <laughs> and it sucks. Uh, Doom 4 misunderstands what 90 shooters are by embracing, like, oh, this is just about attitude and running fast, and it does those things well, I guess, but in actuality, like, Doom is a game about, like, exploring spaces and mazes and avoiding projectiles and circle, circle strafing around enemies and not running up to everybody and meleeing them so you can get more health and go through the, the loops. And on top of that, there are like three separate upgrade trees. 
Like the minute I got to the point where I was like upgrading my character and upgrading my weapon and like hunting for secrets to get more upgrades, I was like, no, 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 this is not Doom. This is not a game I want to play at all. I don't understand how they look at Doom and say, you know what this needs? Upgrade mechanics. That'll make it great. Uh, Doom is basically a perfect video game. Play Doom. Doom's great. Don't play Doom 4. Doom 4 sucks. That's that's my take. Also, I want to point out, don't play Doom 2. Isn't another official abnormal mapping stance. Doom. Yeah, stuff. like, uh, look, I would rather play Doom 2 than Doom 4, but yes. Doom 2 is also, like, too confusing and bad. I'm, I want to point out that uh, Doom has been misrepresented by its sequels for many years. It is a shame. Yep. Someday I'll play Doom 3. Maybe I'll like that one. I'll be the one person. Doom and Doom 3. One day we'll do a Doom episode. Or another Doom episode where we, like, go down wads and go down mods. Wads and mods. Yep. Wads and mods. <laughs> yes. The worst scientifically game of 2017 is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Um, I don't even know how to begin to... Like, so Hellblade is like an exploratory narrative puzzle combat game that's like very beautiful and lush and you play this lady with mental illness as she's like a some sort of nordic person i don't remember what the, her tribe is called but she's fighting actual norse people and dealing with like the norse gods who have blighted her village and um but then it it tries to be like a very deep game about mental illness and what that mainly means is that like there's a lot of acting to the camera very poorly uh as this lady is brutalized for eight hours and you're like, what did this all mean? And the answer is nothing because Hellblade is not actually about anything, but it comes with a documentary to tell you, no, it's secretly about a lot of things because we want you to have empathy for people with mental illness. And we did all this research and we won awards based on how well we depicted mental illness and we made people think. Many, many years ago, uh, Anna Anthropy said uh, the game Dysphoria, which was labeled like the first empathy game, was a mistake. She's sad she made it because empathy games only make people who do not suffer from the thing the game is about feel like they understand a predicament they can never understand and hellblade is a perfect illustration of that hellblade's fucking terrible ironically it's like morally reprehensible <laughs> uh yeah ironically m mental illness is very akin to playing a bad game for eight hours little did they know <laughs> little did they know uh yeah. yeah i played about an hour of that game and i stopped because it was like some of the sound stuff was cool but fuck off yeah. More games should have binaural sound. That's my take. I don't want them to be trying to explain mental illness to me. I've got some mental illness. It, it doesn't sound like this. It's not fucking a weird guy who is live action in your head going, Ooh, the darkness, the darkness of permadeath. We might erase your save. <laughs> nope. um, if you have not read uh, Dilacina's piece on Hellblade for, what was that, Polygon? Uh, I believe so. I don't remember. Dia has written okay. a lot of great pieces, and I forget which ones are Polygon and which ones are like medium. But you should go. Uh, I believe the Dia one was on Poly or the uh, Hellblade one was on Polygon. Please, we'll link it in the show notes. It is a great piece that examines exactly this problem with Hellblade. Dia and me were playing Hellblade about the same time and yes. commiserating about how awful it was regularly. So uh, that is what I'd recommend. Those are the worst games of 2017. It is in the record. It is, it is done. The record is kept and made. We have some more music now, as is tradition on this podcast. We have four songs. First off, both from Hollow Knight, we have Soul Sanctum and Dirtmouth by Christopher Larkin. And both from uh, Wonder Girl, The Dragon's Trap, uh, we have 
Well, I guess Wonder Boy the Dragon's Trap, right? It's called both, right? The title screen yeah, changes. I feel like people on like queer Twitter have just colloquially referred to it as Wonder Girl because obviously. Uh, I understand that. As someone who hasn't played the game, a little confusing, but I I like yes, that they I change understand. I yeah. like that they change the title screen. That's a nice touch. Uh, yeah. they are Mind of Hero by Shinichi Sakamoto and Michael Gear. Uh, and The Monster's Lair, Diamo Tempo, also by the same composers. <laughs> yeah. Uh so there you go. Please enjoy this very good music.
back. And finally, it's time to talk about good video games. Good video games. They exist. We've played some of them. I've played- Someday we'll play all of them. Last year I was mocked for not playing any video games. This year the trend continues. Hopefully play, next year will be different. You have 10 games to fill out a list. You had to cut games from your list. You clearly played more than 10 good games. Yes, I know, but this has been a this has been a hard couple years and I've been not Last finished. year last year you had to put iOS games on the list. You did not have to do that this year. <laughs> that's that's fair. What did I put from iOS game on my list? I don't even remember. Uh that chameleon run game that sucks. That game owns. That game's great. <laughs> We're not having this discussion again. Go back to last year if you want to listen to it. Oh, had to put iOS games. It's fucking excellent. Right. <laughs> we got ten. We're doing these in two slots of five, so my first five. Uh, tenth best game of the year is Forza Horizon 3. I love Forza Horizon 3. I don't think it's, like, amazing. Uh, it is no Burnout Paradise, which is one of the best games of all time, but it is close enough in how I can just drive around the beautiful world. God, it's expensive. It barely, like, hit uh, constant frame rates on my PC because that, that game's A, ridiculous, and B, like, one of the Xbox One PC ports, so it's terrible. Uh, but I'm just able to make it look beautiful enough for it to be, like, shocking every time I played it. Uh, it feels good, it feels like Forza. It has the problem that those games have where there's too much choice, so every like race is whatever car you take into your race, uh, you will be racing against exact models of that car and your race will always like adjust to your level so you never there's no friction in the game. I would as ever prefer the thing to be more designed, but whatever. I drove around the world, I did some jumps, I played I signed up for Groove Music. Like what the fuck? For a free trial. I did not pay any money for Groove Music, which is now shut down. Yeah, as I was gonna say, it's good. Maybe you were the linchpin that made Groove Music go away. Did they put did they put Spotify in there like normal people? I don't think they I don't think they've done that. I'd like them to, but they did not. I also I don't mean, have Spotify. Well, you don't you don't you don't have Spotify, so this wouldn't matter to you, but everyone you are the one lone Apple music user. <laughs> uh yeah. Groove music would have been better than uh, Spotify for my needs, and it wasn't this thing. Because I could put my own MP3s in that game. But, yeah, that's Forza Horizon 3. Number 9 is Castlevania for the NES. Or for my computer. <laughs> uh, I have talked about Castlevania a lot. We played uh, Symphony of the Night a couple years ago. We've, we've um... Uh, you've done the uh, Vania Mania and now Eternal Requiem series that is like off on uh, depending on like when you can do it but that is an important series to ignore mapping and I've played Castlevania the original for like a couple years now like loading it up occasionally and like playing the first level I've often talked about how it's one of the few old games that I play like an actual old game and that I put the cartridge quote-unquote in I play I die I turn it off I do that again I get a little further this time this year I actually sat down and I finished Castlevania I played through the whole game uh, I have now got pretty decent at it in my time I still use save states because you know I don't have all the time in the world but I'm, I'm decent at Castlevania and fuck Castlevania is so good uh, I only played that one I assume if I had like, gone to three I would uh, that would be on my list I want to play Castlevania 3 at some point I might skip two but uh Old Castlevania is great. I love it. It feels very good to jump to hit things with your uh, with your whip. Uh, it's just an incredible game. I know uh, 
that I was always thought I would never be able to go back to like old games, especially like that one, because that one has a reputation of being really hard, and it is, it's bullshit in some parts, especially towards the end. But god, the aesthetic is so strong, the music is so good, the feeling is great, it is, it's excellent. I love Castlevania. I mean, I played Castlevania for Moaning Series because I thought it was going to be, like, impossible for me as someone who grew up in that era to, like, reapproach. And it's not. I mean, it's hard. Don't get me wrong. Castlevania is a hard game, but it's so cool. Yep. Uh, I beat Dracula. I didn't have to, like, use save states mid-Dracula fight. I beat Dracula. Yeah. I used a save state, like, for for that world, so I didn't have to go yeah. through the no, levels. No, of course, because that world's a piece of shit. But I, uh, <laughs> I beat Dracula. Fuck that yep. guy. Yeah. No, I mean, he's still a threat, though. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess in the broader sense of today, no, he is not, but he'll always be a threat in my heart. Dracula is still a threat because fucking Stephen Moffat is writing a Dracula series. That's the Oh, <laughs> Jackson, talk to me about a good game. A good game is also from 1987. Uh, Metal Gear, the original Metal Gear. Everyone on this website knows how much Metal Gear ruined my entire life. Uh... And it did, and I love it. But this year was the year that I replayed them as, and like, I played most of the new games on hard and like really got into, I'm gonna be stealthing, I'm gonna try very hard, I'm gonna play these games as video games. Uh, and what surprised me was just how much I really liked the original Metal Gear. I think it's better than, um, definitely better than like the really new ones, but it's better than like Metal Gear 2. Uh, I really liked the first game. It is like, essentially an extended zelda dungeon is the design of the game like you go around and in rooms are items that open doors that can open doors that find more items to open doors and kill bosses and eventually you beat the game uh it doesn't have much talking because it's you know the first one uh it doesn't so like the pace of it doesn't slow down like it does in two when this is like oh this is just we're we're in it this game's got story uh, and I just really like the uh, like the aesthetic of this game. I really like the pacing of going around the world. You still have to have a guide because there's a lot of bullshit, but it's just very cool. I enjoyed I enjoyed it a lot. That series is fantastic from the start, uh, and I'm I miss I miss just going around bases. I played like half of Ghost Babylon and it scratched the same itch as well. Uh, so apparently I just like I just like infiltration missions. That's me. That's me. Number seven is We Love Katamari, uh, a game we technically didn't do for club, but I played it as part of the club episode uh, when I played through three Katamari games in a week, and this is my favorite one. Katamari's fantastic. Uh, please go listen to our episode on Katamari Damacy. We we love... Ka- fuck. <laughs> uh, I would recommend following Keita Takahashi on Twitter. It's oh, nice. He's so pure. We do not deserve him. Yep. Uh, and... We Love Katamari has this conceit of, like, it's a sequel that Keita Takahashi didn't want to make because uh, Katamari is, like, very complete as an idea already. But the ways in which it expands on it, and specifically the ways in which it takes the actions of that game and, like, frames them within these self-aware, like, roll up these things for my son who is a waste. Like, it's very funny, it's very self-aware about that stuff, and it changes the actions of the game by like smart framing in contrast like beautiful katamari that is just here's some more katamari levels it's weird and wacky look at the look at the colors uh and it just feels very soulless by comparison uh but please play both of those ps2 katamari games if you can number six uh final for this segment is shovel knight shovel knight is great because this year I played both Castlevania and also finished my Mega Man journey, the ways in which Shovel Knight like 
is just a new one of those games it was like really surprising to me because obviously it looks like that and it sounds like that but the level design is incredible like the, the mechanics they introduce on like screens it has the same sensibilities the same kind of ways of building mechanics and feels like incredibly complete in a way that a lot of i feel retro platformers like have the aesthetic but don't really understand the like the design sensibilities as much whereas this just continues that and involves it in very smart ways like there's a level where uh it's set against like a thundery storm and there are gaps in the wall so sometimes the screen is like dark and only lights up when the thunder strikes and you have to remember where certain shadows are and you can you can't see all of them because they're like collide with the gaps in the wall and there you can't see where the things are and that's just like a really cool aesthetic tr trick uh that comes from making a game like this but in uh i think 2014 was when that game first came out uh, that sounds right yeah that, that, that checks out to me it's great i shovel knight's fantastic i had a great time uh, i'm excited to play the two sequels or the the new versions of that game that they keep making i'm very happy that they keep doing that it's very good also it sounds fantastic because they just they just these are people who also know that castlevania 3 the uh or well akimojo jacula i guess sound trip from the famicon is the way to go it's the best yeah no that reams could be written on the soundtracks of both uh castlevania 3 japan and shovel knight some oh, someone other than me will do it but it's good it's, it's a great good. sound i wish more people just did that sound it's so good ah oh, it's it's excellent we have four more songs for you we do we have lewis's coronation and the house both by jeff russo uh, from what remains of Edith Finch, which uh, will appear on list to be determined. Uh, and we have character customiz customization by Kemi Adachi, Yoshio Ueno, Tadashi Yatabe, and Hirofumi Sasaki from Everybody's Golf. This is a song when Jackson gave it to me. I was like, Jackson, I've yes. come around on it. <laughs> yes it, it's so good so i played a little bit of context before we get into this i played everybody's golf and you'll understand why i lost my mind at this theme because it's just an, like an exact ripoff of a song from another video game we'll tell you when we come back and yeah it's like a bad ripoff but it is good oh, it's look well okay final song we'll get into it is the elephant song by burning planet from yono and the celestial elephants anyway with those things set down for you let's get into the music
That everybody's girl song is good. I am vindicated. I am. Look, I understand why you would react so badly to Muzak Earthbound, but it's Muzak Earthbound. Yeah, I know. That's cursed. Cursed image. I know. I know. I know. But also, they just did that and they put that in their golf game, and it kind of it kind of goes pretty well. Uh, yeah. Everybody's golf is not on my list because it didn't make it, but that uh, that game is great. They made a good golf I, game. I kind of I want it to go on sale on PSN because it's on sale pretty cheap as like disc version, but I just want that on my PlayStation. Yes, that is a game you want to be able to load up because it's yep. yeah, it's a golf game. I have five of the best games of 2017 for you. What are they? One of them is Abzu. Abzu is a game uh, in which you are swimming in the ocean. It is an exploratory narrative game, much like Journey. You're kind of just going around, seeing what is there, touching weird objects and glowy new age shit happens, and it's great. The addition that Abzu has is a bunch of fish instead of a desert. And fish are better than desert. That's my take. Officially planting my flag, I would rather look at animals than look at sand. Uh, I hate sand. Oh, it gets everywhere? Yeah, it gets everywhere. Okay, weird. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but uh, Abzu is uh, a great game. It's it feels weird playing talking about this because we both played this game in December of last year, <laughs> like at the very beginning of our cutoff for what our year is. You played it in December. I played it a little into this year. I played it in like oh, okay. March. Okay, but uh, yeah, no. So for me, it's been uh, twelve months, but Abzu is still great and it's still good enough to make this list. Uh, immediacy bias be damned. Abzu is great. Yes. My next favorite game is What Remains of Edith Finch which is uh, an incredible narrative experience. It is 90 minutes long, which is the perfect time for any game to be. Uh, you are a young girl who is exploring her house that has been abandoned, and it's this giant magical realism house where every room is the story of one of her family members, and you go in that room and explore their history and what happened to them as they met their tragic fate. Uh, and every one of those is like a vignette. It's a different gameplay style, often a different aesthetic. And it just tells this, like, quiet, sad story. It is very good. I don't want to talk too much about it, because uh, why would you spoil something so beautiful? But everyone should play this. It's an incredible game. Yes. My third game is Pillars of Eternity. Oh, you love which, this game. Yes, which is a CRPG uh, that I played er very early in this year, because <laughs> winter is apparently the time for CRPGs. Uh, <laughs> so my th whole thing with this, we played Planescape three years ago at this point, right? <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, I was fucking re-watching Doctor Who as we were playing Planescape, so yes. Uh, um, and I realized I love this genre. This genre is cool. I don't like the combat in these genres. So what I do with all of these is I set it so I can't die in combat, or I, like, I use console commands to heal myself or whatever, and then I just play through the story. This is what I did with Pillars of Eternity. This is what I recommend everybody does with Pillars of Eternity. Pillars of Eternity is interesting in that it's one of those like you just create it's not like planescape where you have a set character with a narrative you get you create your own character or whatever but the world in which you exist in is so specifically to my interest about questioning the nature of like faith and belief in deities and what deities need to represent to people and how belief in those things can poison structures and even non-belief in those things can poison structures uh, of humanity that uh, I think this game is incredible it has a sequel like a direct sequel coming out next year I think and uh, I can't be more excited. I might actually just like jump into that one as soon as it comes out. Pillars of Eternity is great. I cannot recommend it enough. 
Yes, I, I don't know much about the game, but you, like, described the DLC to me as you were playing it, like, that section. Yep. It sounds wild. That game sounds excellent. I Yeah, very excited to play that myself at some point. <laughs> yep. Uh, another good game, Wolfenstein The New Order, which <laughs> came out several years ago at this point. Everyone was talking about the new Colossus, and me being me, what I do is I play the game before the game everyone's talking about after playing it. Yes. Um, New Order is really interesting in that it takes Wolfenstein 3D, which is a game that almost made this list also, because I really I played that and I really like Wolfenstein 3D, um, and puts it in like a modern context emotionally, but on some level, it's still a game about running around the outside of a room shooting at Nazis. Uh, sometimes you can stealth and stab Nazis, but mostly you're running around with two machine guns or two shotguns or two anything, two laser rifles, and shooting Nazis. It's great. The difference between like i'm gonna sneak up and stab a guy to oh they've seen me now let's break out two assault rifles and the music kicks up is so good and the game supports both is delightful uh the fact that they did that and then put like a really sad beautiful story about like hope in the face of hopelessness around it where dj blaskowitz is now like this man reflecting on morality and mortality in a world that is just gone to the Nazis now. They won. It's 20 years later and everyone's mostly gotten over it. And he's the one person who, or one of the few people who is still fighting this fight. Like, no, this must be stopped. Even if it means all of us die, we have to stand for something. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I know people really talk the sequel. I'm excited to play it someday. Maybe when that third game comes out, I will play the new Colossus. Let's hope um, that Bethesda are still around. Yeah, no. Uh, we'll know if they put the third story in the DLC. Then we'll know. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> womp womp. Uh, Sucks to work at our game. You know, uh, my last game for this segment is Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight is a Metroidvania-style game uh, in which you are a little bug uh, sold night guy, and you explore these spaces in this bug world. Uh, you go into caverns and underground and uh, you fight other bugs that are hostile and explore this strange space. Uh, the main thing with this game, twofold, is there's like a mapping mechanic where when you get a map to an area, it's not filled in, and you have to like find benches where you will fill in all the places you've been to only. And so it is very much a game about evocative spaces that you can like see the edges of, and then you have to go in and find where that goes and if it leads somewhere. Um, and then in between that is... like. I don't want to say like a Dark Soulsian, but it's a very much like a combat system in which your power and the enemy's power is almost always equal, where every fight can be deadly if you mess up. And so you have to consider your options carefully, even in the context of you're just kind of jumping around and stabbing guys. Um, if you don't dodge out of the way, if you don't attack smartly, uh, you will immediately be destroyed. And I really appreciate that because one of the least favorite, my least favorite parts of Metroidvania is when you go back through areas and you were just overpowered and so you just have that idea in your head oh i'm just gonna like run through these enemies and if i take some damage it doesn't matter but then you might take too much damage you're like oh i shouldn't have done that but i don't actually want to take the time to fight them because they're not actually worth it in this game it's worth it and that that's really cool i have not seen that in one of these games yet cool 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 we have three more songs all from night in the woods we have weird autumn maybe got that is May, how the character is spelled, M-A-E, B, how the character is spelled, B-E-A, goddammit, uh, and Snow, uh, all by Alec Loka. Uh I have not played Night of the Woods, but it seems very cool. I am waiting for that uh, edition that's coming out in a couple weeks, I think. But. Yeah, I might actually go back to it and play the other path, because uh, I kind of like, 
I, I enjoyed this game. I kind of bounced off it a little bit, but I kind of want to go back now that I know the shape of it and maybe dig a little more into it. Maybe I'll like it more. I know we have people uh, that love this game a lot. Yep, Some people of them we it. know. We're very uh, close to. I was going to play it, but it's apparently much longer than I thought it was. It is much longer than you'd think it is. Because I thought it was very short. So It's not. It's like 10 hours. <laughs> oh, it's a video game. Yeah. All right, let's go in. <laughs>
so what we have now are some guest segments uh brought to us brought to you by friends of the site uh we asked some people uh, some of them are hosts of other shows on our network uh some of them are just people we like to submit audio files of their favorite games using the same criteria we use though i think everyone picked a game from this year of uh best game of 2017 um and we have three of them for you right now. We have the Fireside Friends, uh, Alan and Ryan from FiresideFriends.net. They have a joint piece of audio. We have Jen Uncle uh, from Novel Not New. Uh, and uh, we have Nate Ewart Crocker, uh, who does the podcast um go back and play and does the music summaries for zam.com every month uh i asked nate because nate is a music nerd and i specifically asked nate to give me the best soundtrack of 2017 and nate helpfully picked a game that is not otherwise represented on our podcast list this time so please enjoy these and uh, we'll be back right after to introduce the next set of songs hi my name is jennifer uncle well, if you follow me on Twitter at JBU3, you might notice my game of the year is Near Automata, Far and Away. I figure you're going to be hearing a lot about that game from most websites, podcasts, and wherever else people are talking about their favorite games this year. Instead, I'd like to use this space to recommend something just as excellent that seemed to fly under most radars this year. I'm talking about Gundam Versus. Gundam Versus is a two-on-two fighting game that manages to mix the intense mech battles of its namesake with deceptively simple controls. You might feel intimidated when you load in and see over 90 mechs to choose from. Who wouldn't? But that just means you're guaranteed to find something you like, and the matches load so quickly that there's literally no harm in trying whatever catches your eye. Do you want to get your hands dirty while maintaining some mobility? The Sandrock Custom is your gal. Prefer to keep your distance and fire massive lasers? Take the throne irons for a spin. When you pick a random Gundam out of a hat, hit R2 and realize, oh shit, this button turns me into a jet? It's hard not to feel elation and joy. Once you find that one special mech, learning how to use it is pretty simple. Unlike most fighting games, there's a comprehensive tutorial for just about everything. It doesn't expect you to learn complex button presses or stick movements. It's all about positioning keeping an eye on your ammo, and forcing your opponent to make the wrong move first. After the first 30 minutes or so, boost dashing and the timing on your dodges will become second nature. I'm notoriously terrible at fighters, but even I've managed to learn the basics and develop my own style, which I never would have managed in Street Fighter or any of the other gigantic fighting games. It may not be as emotional as Night in the Woods or a cultural phenomenon like Super Mario Odyssey, but if you're looking for an approachable, unique fighter that fills your life with exploding hunks of metal, look no further than Gundam Versus. What it lacks in prestige writing, it more than covers with little, unexpected moments that fill you with wonder. Hello, it's Ryan and Alan from Fireside Friends. Say hello, Alan. Hi, hello. How's it going? We are here to talk about video games, which we don't usually do, but since we are on Abnormal Mapping for Game of the Year, we should talk about some games, Alan. How, what do you think about that? What, which ones are video games again? It's the one where you plug them into your TV, or sometimes they're like on your tablet, uh, and you play them, and you experience them, and you interact. You interact with the art. It's like a, col- um. it's like a collaboration between the, the creator and the player. Oh, words with friends. Yeah. 
Okay. Let, yeah, I, I played like two of those. <laughs> Approximately. <laughs> have, have you played one of them in 2017? Yes, definitely. All right. Tell me about the one you played in 2017. I played Tacoma. It's mm-hmm. okay. So Tacoma um, is the Fulbright Company's new game. They made Gone Home back in 2012, mm-hmm. and they put out this new game, and it immediately draws a lot of comparisons to Gone Home because it's also a first-person exploration game set in a space that was previously inhabited, um, except it's sci-fi, which immediately interested me. Mm-hmm. Just and like Gone Home. It's exactly yeah. <laughs> because, <laughs> <laughs> It's also very gay, like Gone Home, extremely. Um, it has one of my favorite couples in a video game. Um, but I just, I really like the format of it. It was super relaxing and uh, just, I like having routines. And, and Tacoma's structure definitely lends itself to, you know, you come into it, you, because it's split up into all these different areas of a ship that you're exploring. And you go to, you know, say the botanist area where they do all the plant stuff and there's like a bunch of logs and instead of gone homes like here's a tape that you can listen to while walking around and picking up someone's like old pants uh it's like here's a video of these like silhouettes of characters living their lives in like minute long chunks Mm -hmm. um and it leads to you kind of piecing together a story and feeling like you're a detective or an investigator but uh, where you end up learning it without getting too into it is um, some stuff happened that was out of a lot of people's hands and capitalism ruined everything. It resonated with me in that way. I was like, yeah, all these people had good ideas in, in, in the tank and they were all going to coalesce and work out and then they ran out of money and mm. <laughs> we had money problems. Um, and that, that just felt very 20, that felt inherently 2017 to me. Uh, and I loved seeing that world and seeing the characters get fleshed out and, and where they ended up going towards the end of it. Um, what about you, Ryan? You had a game that you played this year that you liked a lot. Yeah, uh, so I guess my favorite game that came out in 2017, or at least I played in 2017, same difference either way, uh, was Night in the Woods, uh, which was developed by Infinite Fall. Um, it's a game in which you play as a college dropout and they're visiting home again and connecting with old friends from their childhood um and it was a very meta experience for me because i played it during a spring break when it came out so i was taking a break from college coming back home and was literally hanging out with friends from high school in between like play sessions for this game otherwise Mm -hmm. i very much immersed myself in this game during that break um I lived and breathed that game. I listened to the soundtrack a lot. There's something about that game, the way it sort of captures the experience of being home after so long and seeing the changes and seeing how people's lives have changed and haven't changed. And and like you said, noticing the capitalism starting to affect everything and, uh, you know, shops closing down, people losing jobs and stuff like that. the emotional core though for me are the characters and you know there's like a there's like a arc that involves sort of the broader themes but there's also an arc that involves your main character and your friends and i felt like the emotional reveal of why you decided to come home after all this time in college 
uh, was really affecting and really relatable to me as someone who has had struggles in college and has felt like I had moments where I was going to drop out or felt like I was too depressed to keep studying and stuff like that. So uh, I found Nine Woods to be incredibly relatable, uh, incredibly enjoyable, and I hope I have time to play it again soon because it's great. So yeah, that's my game of the year. Yeah. Video games. Video games. Those are some video games. All right, that's it. Uh, you can find us on Fireside Friends. You can find that at firesidefriends.net. Thanks for listening. Hello, Abnormal Mapping friends and podcast listening audience. Nady Crocker here, podcast host and noted video game music enthusiast. I do monthly roundups of the latest game OST releases over at uh, zam.com. You should come check them out sometime. M asked me if I wanted to record a short bit where I laid out my favorite video game soundtrack of the year. And I was so tickled to be asked that I immediately agreed. <laughs> and then I spent fully the next week agonizing over how I was going to pick just one album from this year. Y'all may or may not have been paying attention, but 2017 has had some pretty amazing games. And a lot of them have had phenomenal music. Trying to single out just one album as the best of the bunch is like like Sophie's Choice if it were way harder, Super Sophie's Choice. Sophie's Choice 64. <laughs> so so do I pick Christopher Madigan's soundtrack to Cuphead because it's three solid hours of original jazz? Uh, uh, do I pick Alec Holoka's score to Night in the Woods because it, it gave me extremely real Rust Belt feelings deep in my heart? Uh, do I pick the soundtrack to Sonic Mania, which is just... All the good music from all the Genesis Sonics remixed by T. Lopez to somehow be even more catchy than they were in 1994. Pyre! Breath of the Wild! Yakuza 0! <sighs> Sorry. I know that just shouting games isn't really helpful, but I don't want to leave anything out. There's been so much good stuff! So in the end, I guess I gotta go with my gut and pick the soundtrack that I've had on repeat on my phone since nearly the beginning of the year, and which I still haven't gotten tired of, and that's Shoji Meguro's score to Persona 5. Now, Persona 5 isn't a perfect game by any means. It suffers from forays into casual misogyny, a sprinkling of homophobia, and uh, uh, it's got a localization which can occasionally get a little dry. But man, that soundtrack... From its jazzy battle theme to like the array of heist movie tracks that accompany its biggest set pieces, Persona 5's score embodies so much of what I like about game music. So, two tracks here serve as pretty good examples of its range. First, the super effective pump-up track that is Life Will Change. It's not a game, I'm not a robot which plays after your little band of thieves' plans have all fallen into place and the heist begins. The game is afoot! It's time for your live, attractive anime teens to really ruin a bad guy's day. I've played a lot of exciting moments in games this year, but I can't think of another instance where the music was such an integral part of that excitement for me. And then, the flip side of that coin. 
Returning from the heist, objective achieved, after all the excitement has concluded. The Persona games, at least since Persona 3, have all offered something that is among my favorite things that games can do, and that is, they offer you a kind of home. I love games that plant you in a fictional location and tell you you're going to be there for a long time. I love watching places evolve, or, or watching them stay consistent as the world surrounding them changes and circumstances evolve. And of the many wonderful, wonderful things that I've been able to do in games this year, some of my favorites are also tiny, mundane things. I think I will always remember the sound of the door to the cafe closing behind me as I return home, the sound of my adoptive guardian greeting me, the soft strains of the vocalist singing beneath the mask, especially when it's raining, ah, even more subdued with just the, mm, it's so good. I like Shoji Meguro's soundtracks to the Persona games because they're this wonderful combination of big, bombastic, theatrical tracks full of excitement and drama, and also mellow, chill tracks that accompany the game's slice-of-life scenes, and they're all passed through this quirky J-pop filter. It makes them a wonderful accompaniment to a person's actual life, which is, of course, full of both mundanity and, you know, one hopes, a bit of excitement. All right, that does it for me. If you want to hear more of my incoherent rambling on games, you can seek out my podcast, Go Back and Play, on iTunes and Stitcher and all the other good podcast places. A couple friends and I are making our way slowly through the history of video games in chronological order, picking a couple choice games from each year to consider. You can also check out my soundtrack roundups at zam.com, as I mentioned. Uh, I should have a best of 2017 list going up here soon, if it's not up already. And you can find me on Twitter at N-E-W-E-R-T-K-R-O-C-K-E-R. Thanks for letting me chime in with my thoughts. There we go. I'm glad that we're doing this. These guest spots are cool. Thank you, everyone, who submitted audio. Uh, now we have three more songs, all from the brand new 2017 release, Neo Turf Masters. This is a Neo Geo game uh, that got re-released on Switch as part of... Um, I told you, when you got a Switch, I was like, you should get Neo Geo Turf Masters. And you were like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, it's it's a golfing game for Neo Geo. You should get it. So <laughs> and you I, did. It's great. Yeah, I played everybody's golf this year. And I also played Neo Turf Masters. And I played them both about the same amount. And they're both great. And they're both the same game. Because as we said last episode, golf games never change. Yeah. Do you like some golfs. But these songs are Game Character Course Selection. <laughs> Blue Lagoon Golf Course and Game Over, all by Takushi Hiyamura. Hiyamura, Hiyamura, sorry. Uh, all by Takushi Hiyamura. Uh, it's cool. This game's great. We enjoyed it. Please enjoy the songs. <laughs>
we are back. Jackson, we're in the middle of this because I've structured this all out and we're in the middle of this episode. Oh, it's Who knows how long it's been at this point? What does our recording say? Our recording says it minutes. has been 45 minutes. Man, it's going to be a long episode. I want to talk a little bit about our year because we, at the beginning of this year, we were like, what if we stopped doing abnormal mapping? <laughs> that was actually some, it was before this year, but we continued to talk about maybe just not doing this anymore. <laughs> We now record 10 podcasts a month. <laughs> Is it actually 10 podcasts a month? Oh, I think for me it's about nine. Because I do two... So, hang on. Two Amory scores, four Gundams, uh, and one of mapping, one of us. And a Fuck you. <laughs> oh, we do so many podcasts, but we do do less video games now. We have diversified... As they say, in- we don't actually do less video games. We just do more things, and so it feels like less video games. Oh, we do so much. This year's been terrible for me. Just fucking terrible. Uh, anyone who has followed me on Twitter, anyone who's like close has seen me like just completely fuck up my whole like ability to like focus on things and enjoy things without having like ang- like real anxiety in a way that's like this is. I need some meds to get this under control so I can like enjoy things again, uh, which is a real problem when you when your podcast is about like consuming and then critiquing media. Uh, but having this as a structure has been very fun, very nice. I have very much enjoyed the Star Trek stuff that we've started. Uh, talking about Cohen and Cameron with Molly has been great. I while my brain is falling apart and I'm very stressed about uni and the podcasts are like a lot sometimes I'm glad I have a structure because otherwise I just would be the unemployed person I guess the student sleeping until four every day and doing nothing instead I sleep until four every day and do stuff yep I mean we both became like we solidified our Star Trek nerdery to great heights this year not last year this time last year we liked star trek and had gone through the wiki of the novels and were like haha that's a good funny thing maybe we should do a podcast about it now we like the star trek novels to the point where we don't really mind whether star trek's good because there's so much just extremely star trek novels that we can enjoy it doesn't matter if like we'll be sad if quentin tarantino makes that movie but We've got we've got a lot of material still to watch and to read. God, let's hope he is already off it by the time this podcast goes. <laughs> he could be dead. We don't even know. It's going to be out in three weeks. Like, anything could happen. It's true. Quentin Tarantino died on Christmas Day this year. Oh, bless. <laughs> uh, we also started the Patreon. And all of this is possible because of that Patreon. Like, I, we plug it. Like, we, you know, we'll do like a light plug zone at the end of this, maybe. But like, patreon.com slash normal mapping. It is why we still do this podcast. Like, it keeps us afloat. Like, I've had a lot of, like, I got in a car wreck. I need to replace my car this year. Uh, the fact that we have switches is all because of that Patreon. Like, yes. the, the fact that we have a good website that can host multiple podcasts, that exists because of Patreon. Like, I was paying for this out of pocket and was at the limit of what I could afford every month on, like, our awful WordPress blog and the Libsyn, like, $20 charge every month. And now we have, like, a real podcast and I can pay artists to make our images and we have a new show coming up in january like a lot has happened because of people's support and i cannot thank everybody enough like even with patreon being weird and the world being on fire and everyone being poor like i understand our audience is mostly like queer young people uh and everyone's as poor as us and it sucks and we get through it together so thanks everybody for all of your support uh for enjoying gundam for enjoying our writing uh everything that everybody enjoys that we make uh even these like these podcasts which are free podcasts that we put a lot of work into and people seem to like We've also had, like, some feedback, like, 
because uh, we started the Discord very recently, uh, and we've been talking to some people and hanging out, and it's been good. Uh, and we've had some more like specific feedback about how people very much are appreciating how uh, we are not just talking about the new games. That is like our philosophy, and we talk about that a lot. It's nice to hear that like said back to us as a thing that is uh, why people come to us. I'm glad. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't means the podcast isn't gonna like be able to you know hit those SEOs or whatever. It's not in the conversation. But I'm very happy that the audience we do have appreciates uh, what we're doing. Um, it's yeah. great. I think that's all I have. Uh, but like I said, thanks everybody. Like, I'm happier doing this this year than I've ever been doing this podcast. All of our podcasts, in fact, and uh, I can't like I, we're, I'm at the upper limit of the work I can do on this network but I'm glad people are appreciating it because it's a lot of work but I really like I'm fulfilled doing it in a way that I was not before this year when you arranged uh the the, the new movie podcast and we like cemented or cemented for quote-unquote what the plans are for it you were like great this is gonna be good and then we're very sad because now like all your item slots are taken up you are encumbered you cannot do any more podcasts yeah, no, no more podcasts if you would like me to guest on a podcast yes do not ask me to do another podcast yep. <laughs> i'm out i can't like i work a job i have like a partner like i like to live a life i do other things not as often as i used to <laughs> <laughs> i like to do other things i have not drawn or painted a thing in months and it really bums me out so to be fair one of the things you the other things you do is watch star trek <laughs> yeah no like also i you know being able to turn my hobby like being interested in star trek books but never having the time for them and now that's what we do for a show that not very many people listen to but the people who listen to love it as deeply as we do uh niche audience that makes me very happy star trek books we know how to we know how to pitch our shows you know imagine the audience we would have had if we just done star wars books we would have been miserable but people would love it oh a star wars book podcast would have killed everyone everyone keeps asking for me to read like because i read a bit of air of the empire um, air to the empire and it's interesting it's fine i don't know we don't like star oh, wars. oh the rural juror <laughs> you can't just fucking throw the rural juror in the middle of a podcast <laughs> i did not expect that that caught me off guard as you can tell <laughs> but yes people enjoy our star wars goofing and would love that podcast we would enjoy doing it a lot less like we like the star trek ones because we actually enjoy star trek i feel like the star wars one would be us just making fun of star wars uh, and that, I don't actually like doing that. Like when we read a bad Star Trek book, it's fun to rip into because I love Star Trek and know what it needs to be. I don't think I know what good Star Wars is. <laughs> My favorite Star Wars movie is like uh, Revenge of the Sith. Like I don't know what Star Wars is. Yeah, and clearly, from my peeks into the expanded universe, there is a lot of like just hilarious garbage. But hilarious garbage isn't what I like. Isn't the actual thing that's funny about Star Wars? Uh, it's you are the chosen one. You're my brother, Anakin. <laughs> I have the high also ground. like our podcasts are earnest. Yes, uh, even even Amory Score inexplicably is an earnest podcast about a thing you like. Oh, do not ask those on Reddit <laughs> who enjoy Coheed and Cambria. They would have our heads. Yeah. Uh, anyway, th I think that's it. That's We've it. talked ad nauseum, but thanks everybody, Thank and you. we're gonna get into the next three songs. We have all from Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle, a game with. That is, it's a good game, but one of the best soundtracks yes. possible. It's not on any of our lists. I don't think it's on yours. I assume not. No, it's absolutely not. Uh, but we both played it. Uh, like, wait, we both played the first couple worlds, <laughs> yep. and then watched the rest on YouTube because you know I get into some real puzzle XCOM. Uh, but the soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, and we have Peach's Castle 
Rabid Kong Rumpus, and The Phantom of the Wapra, all by Grant Kirkhope.
You think yours is a real moustache? Who's done me a thousand wrongs ever since Donkey Kong? Seethering down every pipe, despite his plum-shaped body type. Who's gonna run in fear while screaming, Mamma Mia? Who leaves me grey and grim? Oh, what does peach sin Mario, with great joy in my heart, each time I watch Mario Kart, you're first and doing so well. But here comes the Spanish. <laughs> And now you and your rabbit friends are finally met your end. Just let me catch my breath, then I'll die. See you today. Who do you think you are? You should need of the star. You are not. But a parody. I find you a good role in a tragedy. <laughs> it's a me, let's go, the only word you know. My heart will touch your princess's heart, and you will be put apart. You think you'll be this tournament? I send you to retirement. You're so not worth the hustle. Your princess is in another castle. Mushrooms won't end the pain. Time for the phantom to start his Next up, we have a couple more guest spots uh, from friends of the site. Uh, we have uh, a contribution from uh, Emma LSR, who has uh, been doing these incredible like videos this week, like very short daily videos of games that they've played this year and games that they've enjoyed. Uh, and we have uh, audio from one of those that we're going to splice in. Uh, it is going to be a very cool, very cool segment. Also have uh, a short discussion uh, with Heather Alexandra of Kotaku.com, also of Being Cool on Twitter, another classic friend of the site. You may recognize her. You are, uh, you sat down with her, right? And talked about... Uh, yeah, we recorded. It's mo- I tried to make mostly make it her talking, but she she requested that I that we like do like a more conversational piece. And so we did. And uh, so enjoy those right now. <laughs> We get plenty of remakes, but there are few as gorgeous or confident as The Dragon's Trap. Its hand-drawn art is so fluid and expressive, it made me profoundly feel the compromises needed to make other 2D games possible. I get the feeling that The Dragon's Trap was only possible thanks to the emulation experience of its creators, and the solid core of the original game. Lizard Cube have barely needed to change anything about the original game. There is a certain satisfaction to mastering Wonder Girl's momentum, and learning the careful rhythms and positioning of the combat. The Dragon's Trap plays in a non-linear world, but crucially, it recontextualizes the world with every animal form you're changed to. They're not strict upgrades. 
for instance, the dragon has a ranged fireball that can intercept incoming attacks. Then you become a mouse, who does less damage and has less range, but can block shots and climb into small spaces or long walls. Each animal changes your approach in a similar way. It forces you to play smarter and makes encounters with enemies in previous areas into new experience. It feels fresh compared to the gated approach of the Metroidvania. New forms are more than keys to unlock colored doors with, or jumps to reach slightly higher areas. The Dragon's Trap also has the best implementation of visual style switching, letting you pick between sound effects, soundtrack, and art to switch between, and letting you mash on the style button to freeze the wipe transition in place, splitting the screen into one part retro, one part modern. Being able to see both styles can be a real appreciation for both versions of the game. The hand-animated art and orchestral soundtrack give what were previously highly abstract areas a real sense of place. And the original art and compositions gave me an appreciation for the charm of the original, and just how much it got right almost 30 years ago. Most remakes bring back something already revered and canonized. The Dragon's Trap lets an overlooked gem shine once again. Hello, abnormal mapping people. I don't know. I don't know if you guys have a nickname or not. We you do should. not have a nickname. You should definitely have a nickname. You should uh, take care of that right away. Um, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Heather Alexandra. I am a staff writer for Kotaku.com. We are a website that talks about video games and all things video game related, and sometimes things not video game related. It's super exciting. And I guess we're here to talk about game of the year. I was going to talk about Nier Automata, I imagine somebody else will, so instead I have something else that's tied for my favorite game of the year that I'm going to talk about instead. Okay, um, you know, I actually don't know if we're going to have anyone talk about Nier. Oh, so wow. Put a pin in uh, that, but I, I'm very curious okay. what your other choices. Dujana. Do you oh, know about Dujana? I know about Dujana. I right. uh, have not played Dujana. So Dujana is really great. Uh, for those of you who are listening who do not know, Dujana is a game by a fellow named Jack King Spooner. He's a Scottish video game creator. He's also made a really awesome hand-drawn slice-of-life RPG called B-Swing. He has a couple things called Sluggish Moors and a couple of other really uh, amazing uh, things. You can find his work at jackspinoza.itch.io. And I, I love it. So Dujana is his second Kickstarter game. And it stars a mother in a fictional kind of magical realist Muslim country looking for her lost um, husband and daughter. And there's a lot of things I really, really like about it. Uh, some of that comes down to the visual and audio idiosyncratic twists that um, Jack puts on a lot of his games. So I mentioned with B-Swing that it's, it's sort of hand-drawn. In this, it shifts between vaguely stop-motion things. So you'll get into a giant mech, and it has these wonderful stop-motion animations to it. And there's some times where there's, a, there's, a, there's an arcade in the game, and there's like three different games, or maybe even more, I forget. And they all have their own distinct, unique art style. And then Jack is also a musician. So the music in there is, is really lovingly made and uh, well-crafted. He talks about some of this stuff. He's actually put out a developer commentary of the game. You can look that up on YouTube if you want to get an idea kind of, of this game and who Jack is. 
And I think there's something about having all of that work centralized to a single creative that, and I'm not going to sit back and tell you that auteur theory is legit because I, I don't think it is, but I think having all of this put in the, you know, in the hands of one creator who really, really worked hard to make something that was visually distinct, fun to play with great dialogue and had all these different things in it. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, I think we should have more games like this. I think we can have the big, big games, but I think we should really recognize these small games too. Uh, we uh, we covered Beeswing and Abnormal Mapping 38, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that. It's a Heck very, yeah. very good game. Go for it. I'm going to listen to that later on tonight. Um, and then we had we had someone, we haven't gotten all our submissions as we're sure. recording this, but someone said, uh, Jen Uncle, a uh, friend of the site who hosts Novel Not New, yeah. said her favorite game was Nier, but then went on to talk about Gundam Versus because uh, Gundam she was versus. like, you don't need to hear more about Nier. So I would like you to talk about Nier briefly. If you could. Sure. The only thing I will leap back to say is one of the things that's also really cool about Dujana, and I'm I'm not quite giving up the game entirely, there's some randomized elements in there that are kind of plot related, which then informs the way that you view the plot and uh, lets you come to your own conclusions. Jack is really big about the player kind of finding their own way, and by randomizing certain things, what I experience is not necessarily what you experience, and I think that's very beautiful. But Nier, oh my gosh, Nier. So Nier is a game by a creator named Yoko Taro, who's a very interesting fellow. He had his own uh, studio that he worked with uh, called Cavia. So Nier Automata is a game about robots. It is a game about androids after a war killed off humanity, not just thousands of years ago, but thousands of thousands of thousands of years ago. They live on the moon and they go down to earth to fight um, to fight robots. There's a difference between androids and robots in this world, and they are fighting robots that were created by the aliens that attacked Earth and destroyed humanity. That sounds really, really lame and abstract when you when you talk about that. Like, that's a pitch. If I sat down in a pitch meeting, like, that's a hard sell. Um, the thing that makes Nier work is, is a couple of things. First off is the fact that Nier likes to play with form a lot, or at least this is one of the things that I think is most important for Nier Automata, and by extension the first game, Nier, which was a, um, a last generation console game. So these games will go from action set pieces like, um, like what you would have in Bayonetta, right? So this was also made by Platinum Games, or at least developed by Platinum Games. And there's a lot of action in there, there's a good combat system, but then perspectives change constantly, which by which I mean like it goes from a normal free-roaming camera to images like setting the camera above your head so it plays a little bit more like I would say something like Diablo, or in my mind I would say Gauntlet, um, with more sophistication. And then there's a lot of text stuff that happens. It, there are moments in this game that basically become sort of visual novels and it's really really great um one of the things that i really enjoy about video games 
And this is something that all media does, but games can do it in ways that I think are really fun, is that it can fundamentally keep on reshaping and recontextualizing sort of the way that you perceive the world. Um, this can happen in books just by changing perspective or changing tenses or whatever the heck. In games, this happens through some, some really fun spatial stuff, which is a lot of what Nier is doing, but then it also comes from altering or remixing the verbs that you are able to perform. There are a lot of times in Nier where you are perhaps playing as your character who, who has their, their, um, their abilities sort of limited, and then maybe you're playing as a new person when you play the game again. Um, this game, in theory, they call them endings. So there's ending A, B, C, D, and E. These are the main routes of the game. There's also endings going up, I believe, to Y. Um, the second time you play the game, it's it's very similar to the first time you play the game, but as you progress, a lot of things start to change. Uh, you learn more about characters that you hadn't really known before. I'm trying to be vague so that I do not give it away. I think that people should really play near. Um, but seeing people from different perspectives and engaging the world from different perspectives helps to flesh out this world that would otherwise feel a little generic, a little, or maybe not generic, but certainly very... Uh, very well defined by sort of the JRPG tropes and conventions that we had previously engaged with dozens and dozens of times. That can be good to have a game that just does that, but Nier likes to shuffle it up, and that's really good. There's there's like small presentational things I like about Nier as well. I think, and this is like a weird consideration that I enjoy, it has a really good English voice cast. I think a lot of times, especially when they are games made by an eccentric designer like Yoko Taro, I think people say that you have to play this game one way or the other. You know, like, you know, you have to play it Japanese language only, doing XYZ thing. I think Nier gives you a lot of options with how you want to engage with it, whether that's language options, which are both incredibly high quality, whether it's the ability to actually adjust the game so that it partially plays itself. So combat in this game has a certain degree of depth to it, by which I mean you can do a lot with a very limited or very simple selection of verbs. Um, jumping, slashing, shooting, that sort of thing. The game remixes those in ways that continually challenge you, and you can also learn those systems in order to play really, really hardcore the same way that you would play maybe Devil May Cry. If that's not your thing, you can equip, they call them auto chips in the game. They're, um, they're like programming chips for your character, for your Android. Uh, and like you can have it so it will do certain things automatically for you, whether or not that's having your little robot pod buddy automatically shoot at enemies or, or other things. I think near, while sometimes inscrutable narratively, at least until you've finally completed it and can take a moment to sit back and look at the, the completed picture. I think in terms of gameplay, it's pretty open and pretty accessible, and largely something that a lot of people are going to be able to jump, like, jump into, which isn't necessarily something very common when you look at JRPGs or things like that, because those games are tied to entirely their systems, and they're really proud of those systems, and they weave together 
all sorts of different types of experience to grab and to shift and build up this meter and make sure you're in this position. Nier is very straightforward. Um, There are a certain amount of things that change depending upon whether or not you, you know, who you might be playing as. But other than that, the game, it doesn't drive players away. I think it, it actually invites players to experience it which I think is really kind of sweet. Um, I've had the wonderful opportunity to actually correspond with Yoko Taro, and he's a very interesting fellow. But, and if I might opine a little bit further, then maybe I have any actual basis to suggest. I, I will say that I think, I think when... When I look at his answers to interview questions that I've asked or to other folks or things like that, I, I get the sense that he he wants his games to form connections between people. Um, good art does that, and I think Nier does that. I've never seen people more animated or more excited than when they, they have been talking to me about this game this year. Um, even in a year with really good games, things like Yakuza 0, um, and other titles that are also equally good. Zelda, people love Zelda, they get animated about that game, but I still have not seen people talk as excitedly about sort of the things that Nier has made them feel, or the things that Nier made them experience that they hadn't really expected to see in games. Nier's... I I don't know how this game got made, uh, which is a very strange thing to say. The first Nier was not necessarily very successful, it was also not necessarily a very great game to play. There's awesome stuff in there, but it's kind of clumsy. And the fact that Yokotaro got a second chance to do this, he and his team, he has a wonderful team that also helps him, other writers, uh, a fair amount of women writers on his staff actually as well, who I think really helped round out some of the characters in this game. The fact that that team got a second chance and also got support from Square Enix and support was able to have their project tied into Platinum Games, which I think is a very quality studio. That seems like a miracle to me, considering the way that games are going. Games are getting really homogenous and kind of turning into this gray paste sometimes. Uh, Nier feels, I don't know, feels special to me. We're back. With some Sonic trash. No. Yes. So yes, okay. One of the one of the things I guess we're gonna have to talk about as we get into the second half of this and our like top five games is this is the year we both became hashtag Sonic Studies. Sonic is not featured in my top ten. Uh, oh really? Okay. Sonic is featured in my top ten. Um I guess I could have put a Sonic game. But well the problem is I don't like any of You had a Sonic game last year, actually. Did I? I think you had Sonic City in your thing last year. Oh god, Sonic City is so good. Uh, but yes, we played a bunch of Sonic this year, and I don't like any one of the Sonic games enough to really like put it into a list. But the, as a whole, we played through like Forces and Generation. Oh, I played Generations. You played. We both played Lost World and Forces. Uh, we both played Mania. I didn't finish it because it's annoying and hard at some points. But you breezed for it because you're good at video games. Uh, and it turns out Sonic's pretty good. Like there's always like this tragic not quite there-ness to Sonic uh, because they, they are like trying very hard to just be another Mario sometimes and they can't do that. And then when they do their own thing, they are yelled at for being weird and unapproachable. Sonic can't win and it's a shame, but 
we have some good good songs uh, from both Lost World and Forces coming into this segment, and then later from Mania. Uh, it's cool. Sonic's fine. Sonic's good. We are pro Sonic on this podcast. So from Sonic Lost World, we have Windy Hills on one and the Deadly Six theme, who I continue to call Sinister Six. I will never stop. It's because they suck. Uh, by Toyoma Otani and Takahiko Iguchi. And then from Sonic Forces, we have Aqua Road and Fist Bump, the greatest theme ever <laughs> to grace a character. If they don't put Fist Bump in every Sonic game, I'm going to be really sad. I mean, have they put, like, Escape the City in every no, Sonic game? absolutely not. Then, it's, then they won't. I know. I know. But I love Fist Bump. Just mostly the, like, chorus. Like, you know. You yeah. know the part of Fist Bump everyone yeah. cares about. These are by Tomio Otani, Takahiko Iguchi, and Douglas Robb. And, wait, is Douglas Robb the Hoobstank guy? Yes, I think okay. so. Okay, I was going to say, like, and the Hoobstank guy, but I don't actually know his name. It could be called Douglas Robb. That is a un-Rockstar name, but... Sorry, Douglas. <laughs> I mean, Hoobastank's an unruh. <laughs> Halo 2's Hoobastank.
will there ever be an end? Forever running from this lunacy. Moonlight coming down, beaming through the clouds. Will I never see the end?
And we're back. Jackson, please tell me the five best games of 2017. The five best games of 2017 are number five, Poyo Poyo Tetris. I lost about two weeks playing this game just non-stop uh, with some friends. And it is the first time in my life that I have like really gotten into like the fighting game mindset. Because although this is a puzzle game, it is not. It is a fighting game. It is like there are counters. You are facing an opponent uh, with like moves and counters and everything. It's, it's there. It, that's just what it is. I'm sorry. That is what the deal is. It is a fighting game through and through. And the times I spent playing it uh, with Amar and Sam and people and Matt and everyone uh, from like that friend group, have were, they were very dear to me. And it was like, I've never been able to get into fighting games, partially because uh, I'm bad at them and partially because I don't have people to play them with. And this was a nice like a version of that experience for a competitive game. Uh, eventually, it got to the point where we all either had to like dedicate real time to getting good or kind of stop playing as it got less fun as you know all the skill levels kind of balance out and playing against your friends becomes less fun uh so that's why it's not like number one it's still got problems that competitive games have it's still i still tapered off at a point i didn't like i'm not still playing it with friends i do play it occasionally though uh but i i love it so much i i, I downloaded poyo poyo translated roms uh to try to learn how to play poyo poyo better and i still suck at it Tetris, though, I can play Tetris all day. So, yes, that's Puyo Puyo Tetris. Number four is Abzu. You had this on your list. Uh, Abzu is, you said, yeah, it is a game from that game company alums that uh, is set in the sea and thus is so much better because it's in the sea. Fish are good, sea is good. There's a bit where you're like swimming alongside a shark and holding onto them, and it's the best thing that's ever happened. I love video games, I love the sea, I love Abzu. What more needs to be said? Number three is Pikmin 3, which is a game we played at the game club, and I didn't expect to like it anywhere near as much as I did, but I think Pikmin 3 is like amazing and has only grown in my affection for it since we've done the episode like i liked it then but god pikmin 3 is really something special uh, i've not played one and two i assume they are like similar games but just not as well refined um knowing what i know about how that series developed but it's it's one it's beautiful it has the most lovingly rendered fruit on any game <laughs> ever made uh it, it is just the most pleasant, like, I'm going to organize all my Pikmin into, into little groups, pick some fruit up, do these missions. There's no, like, real threats. Like, there are bosses, but they're all doable. There are time limits, but they're all completely doable. And you always feel on top of things, and eventually you have just so many fruit that you're fine forever. You briefly lose your fruit, but then you get them all back. It's all very pleasant and chill and just the most playable game. It's the most Nintendo thing. Uh, I know that somewhere that team is working on a Pikmin 4. I'm like, I hear talk about that enough that I assume it's true. So I guess I'll play that. I don't know how you'd play it without a Wii remote though. That is key. So we'll see. Number two, the second best game of 2017 is Super Mario 64. I know Odyssey came out and has the love of the people these days, but this was my first time playing through Mario 64. I had obviously touched it before, uh, I had like poked around at it, I know of it, I know like the stuff about that game, but this is my first time actually playing through, and Super Mario 64 is fantastic. Like I also tried to play um, 
Ocarina of Time, the other big uh, 64 video game that is a known accepted classic and kind of kind of bounced off that a little. Uh, but 64, I was uh, like just played in like two days, loved everything about it. The way in which you like bounce through these abstract spaces and the way in which you like complete missions uh, and like the discrete missions in the spaces, but they don't like erase the other missions. In later Mario games, you pick a star, you are a moon, well not a moon, moon's the wrong one, a shine, and you then complete that shine. In Mario 64, you pick a star, and then if you jump just right off the edge of Tall Tall Mountain, you can land on the far mushroom and get the thing that's meant to be, like, got in another mission with a cannon. But I fucking jumped off and I nailed it, and it was the greatest feeling in a video game. Super Mario 64 is amazing. The boss sucks. Yeah, no, the boss, because there's only one. Yes, Bowser, spinning Bowser around sucks. Everything else is perfect. Well, swimming sucks, but you know, it's a Mario game. Mm-hmm. And number one for me is What Remains of Edith Finch. You obviously put this a little lower on your list, but you played this game and then immediately sent me a message on Slack like, you have to play this. Not only is it good, it's also the most you shit imaginable. And yeah. that was correct. That was incredibly yeah. correct. Uh, it is just a very quiet and sad story, uh, just about death and like the power of stories and how we remember people. Uh, you gave a pretty good breakdown of how the game actually works, but I was like really taken away uh, with like how emotionally like powerful it was. Uh, it is not a game that is concerned with the mystery of what happened to the house like that is the premise of the game like gone home but you're not digging through documents you're not trying to find out the truth because the truth is like oh i uh, became a monster and the monster ate me is one of the early stories like it is all abstracted even the things that are real are abstract in such a way that it's all tone it's all mood and it's all just so like otherworldly and heartbreaking and i, I love it so much edith finch is fantastic if you i'm trying to be as vague as possible because i think you should play it i cannot recommend edith finch enough there you go that's it the best games of 2017 the best games of 2017 those are the ones uh, I have a competing list that would disagree with you. Look, uh, but first we have some songs. Look, 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 look. We do. We have Bob on Battlefield uh, from Super Mario 64. We have Delfino Plaza from Super Mario Sunshine. Both of these are, of course, by Koji Kondo. And from Mario Odyssey, we have Steam Gardens by uh, Naoto Kubo and uh, Shijo Fuji. Uh, they, we don't have like credits for specific Odyssey songs, but those are the credited composers for mm-hmm. that game.
Marion Music is incredibly good. I like it. I'm glad that we put that in the podcast now. Offer it's 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 absurd that Mario is like some of the greatest games of all time, but the soundtracks for Mario might actually be better than the games. Uh yeah, maybe. Uh, yes. I mean there's a lot of things that's true about. There are a lot of things yeah. that are like really good, but then the music is actually just in fucking out of this world. Yeah, no. You've that's got fair. five games. Go tell me how good they are. The fifth best game of 2017 is Dirt Rally. Um, Accurate. Around, te- around text time, I got enough money to get a new graphics card because my graphics card was ailing. I was having a hard time playing any game from the last couple years. So I got a new graphics card. And I was like, oh, what game do I have that will run this? And it was Dirt Rally, which is already an old game. I understand. But this is who we are. And Dirt Rally is this incredible experience of just sitting there in your car cockpit view only no back of the car scrubs here and just being terrified as you rocket down a dirt road um if you've ever driven on a dirt road it's scary at normal speeds and doing it at race speeds is just the scariest thing in the world i dirt rally to me is like the most white knuckle video game like racing game i've ever played Uh, i love it so much i love like the tenseness i love the weird like hyper-realistic physics, but also like you're rocketing through kind of bad forests a lot of the time. Um, I like how terrifying it is to hit a tree, don't hit a tree. In a year in which I wrecked my car and it really messed me up, I'm excited to play Dirt Rally and wreck my car and have it mess me up. Uh, someday I'll play Dirt 4. Yep, we both played Dirt 3 a couple years ago and then played Dirt Rally this year. Dirt Rally is a much better game than Dirt 3. Just skip Dirt 3 entirely, please. But yeah, no, they're like, what if it was a rally game again? We took out all the extraneous bullshit. You are on the road, on the beautiful, beautiful, fucked up road. Drive. Uh, the fourth best game is Dream Daddy, which I talked about in our new podcast novel, Not New, um, in episode one. Uh, Dream Daddy is a dating sim in which you are a dad with a young daughter who's graduating high school and you move into this cul-de-sac where there's a bunch of dads and you can hang out with them and those hangouts turn into dates and it is like this weirdly sweet very earnest dating sim about like being single fathers and how hard it is to juggle being an adult who is a parent and the responsibilities of that and how adulthood is about like never having time to like understand who you are and what you're about and you realize like oh like 10 years have passed and i never thought about this as much as i should have and uh the ways in which that game explores that through its characters are really good and interesting we talked like at length about that game so i don't want to cover it too much but dream daddy's great uh it's incredible i was expecting it to be kind of like a goofy joke that i would play and forget about and instead it's like a thing that i am all in on uh cannot recommend it that's really cool. I, I was just going to listen to your podcast, but I might actually play that game because I didn't know that's what it was about. And you just saying that and I'm like, oh, I know. I mean, it's also about some goofy bullshit. Uh, yeah. To be fair. I know. You sent me like the some of the songs. Yep. Uh, yeah. Scarship Enterprise. <laughs> Scarship Enterprise. God damn. Uh, the third best game of 2017 is Full Throttle. Uh, I recorded a bit with this with uh, Heather Alexandra, friend of the site, um, earlier this year. I play a lot of old adventure games on the channel. Uh, don't, I'm in the middle of Gabriel Knight right now, um, but of all of the adventure games I think I've ever played, uh, Full Throttle is one of my favorites. It just came out of nowhere because I was like, oh, the biker game, whatever, Tim Schafer. I like some jokes. Uh, Full Throttle as like a grimy, apocalyptic noir story of like these two characters who fall for each other but they're too busy like dealing with the problems of their world and a murder mystery and a greedy corporation. Uh, this game is so good at storytelling and character 
in very understated ways where you have two characters that are defined by being taciturn and the ways in which they circle each other and the plot that brings them together on this dumb adventure is just incredible i full throttle is great it deserves all the hype it's ever had for the past like 23 24 years or something uh, I can't recommend that enough. And the a remastered version is great. Play that on anything that will run it, which is most things, I think, at this point. Yes. Number two, Sonic Mania. Sonic Mania changed my mind about Sonic. Um, a decision that I had had for, like, 25 years uh, that Sonic was bad. Like, I liked Sonic Adventure 2 well enough that I was like, no, Sonic sucks. I played Sonic Mania, and I understood Sonic. Uh... This is, you know, it's like meant to be the retro throwback game, but it's made by people who have played so much Sonic that they understand what people mean when they say, I want to play a Sonic level for good and bad. I know that there's like, you know, the game should have, should have better checkpoints. It probably shouldn't have lives. These are things in this game, in this game that I understand. If it but, had checkpoints uh, at the bus, I would have finished this game. Yeah. Uh, but in giving you the sense of exploration and the sense of speed and like letting those two things exist co- like next to each other and be inventive and interesting and always encourage you forward, they've created the ideal 2D Sonic in which you are always in a space where you want to go forward and see what's next. You understand the options, but you feel okay taking the one. You- like my always thing is paralysis, like, oh, I didn't get up top, so clearly it's wrong. But there's cool stuff in Sonic Mania, whichever way you go and whatever happens to you. And it has some of the most inventive bosses that I've seen since uh, since Gunstar Heroes. There's a weather, like, report robot Eggman thing boss that is maybe one of the best boss fights I have ever played in a video game. It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a ridiculous joke, but I love it so much. Uh, I can't, like, I this is, when I got a Switch, I was like, oh, Sonic Mania, because I kind of waited on it, because I was like, I'm not super into Sonic. And since then, I have played three Sonic games because it's ruined me forever. Yeah, no, like your old Sonic opinion was that you enjoyed some of the 3D ones for like being kind of awkward, but still fun games and thought that the 2D game was just, it was fine in Sonic CD, but mostly it was like kind of a bad platformer. And suddenly Sonic Mania opened your eyes and now the key has been turned. Sonic Studies. Yeah. The best video game of 2017, according to me. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I never heard of this. Uh, if you followed me on Twitter at all, I feel like this is an obvious answer, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I uh, I bought this game on Wii U when it came out because I didn't have a Switch. I wasn't intending to get one. And then my family bought me a Switch for my birthday. And um, I ended up picking up this game again. And have I put f- like 50 hours into it. I have now put another 50 hours into it. I'm nowhere near done yet. Uh, winding down maybe before the DLC came out, but uh, Zelda is such a like an interesting way to reinvent what Zelda represents in 3D. Like I'm not a huge fan of 3D Zelda. I much prefer 2D. Uh, I've played all of the 3D Zeldas. Uh, I like some of them. I've went back to a lot of them in the last couple years. Um, most of them don't hold up. Breath of the Wild's embrace of going everywhere and exploring a strange, hostile place. Breath of the Wild is a game that looks like the concept art I poured over as a kid. Specifically around Zelda 2, I think of the art of, like, Link just burdened down with weapons as he, like, walks away from a castle or in a giant, like, pillars reaching to the sky dungeon where he's fighting an enormous monster that, like, dwarfs him completely. And Breath of the Wild just is those things. It has those things in it. You can just do them, and it's amazing. Um, In a world where, like, I don't really like open world games very much and I don't play them that much. Uh, Zelda's 
idea of like what if we just focus on the minute to minute like you're collecting food and you're finding weird things under rocks and you go into a town and there's some people and you talk to them and that stuff is still like quintessentially zelda but in such a radically different context uh this is a game that like saved zelda for me and also ruined zelda for me because they can never make another one of these and they're going to and i'm going to be very mad about it but until then, I will play another 30 hours of Breath of the Wild and ride around on horses and motorcycles and have a great time. Zelda. I've, I have tried to play Zelda. Uh, I've played like an hour of it last night. It, that game seems fucking incredible. The, the reasons I say I tried have nothing to do with... I'm not bouncing off the game. It's me. I'm like getting anxious about stuff. Uh, but one day I will actually like sit down with that game and it will ruin my life because I can already feel it. We have... And last block of music. We do. Uh, there's more after this, obviously, because we have an outro. But uh, this is the last big block. This is my fault. Because I was like, I need to put together the best of Sonic Mania's incredible soundtrack because I adore it. Uh, the Zelda music, obviously not in this podcast past when I was talking about it. But go back to our last music episode. There's Zelda stuff in there. I made sure because I really like the Zelda soundtrack. But uh we have five songs from Sonic Mania. I'm sorry, but I did edit them together. It's not actually our biggest music segment by a lot, in fact. Um, but uh, we have Friends by Hyper Potions. And then we have Mirage Saloon Zone Act 2, Studiopolis Zone Act 1 Lights Camera Action, Stardust Speedway Zone Act 2, and Titanic Monarch Zone Act 1, all by T. Lopez. Please enjoy all of these good Sonic groups.
We're here. We've done it. We finished the podcast. And it only took one hour and 12 minutes of raw audio. So God knows how long this will take you to put together. I'm handling this next year. We trade off. Yeah. No, I'll do the summer show. You can do the winter show. That's fine. I don't care. Yep. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with us. People, uh, we always get nervous about how long these are, but people really like the music. So we hope that you've enjoyed. So you get really nervous. I love, so personally, so I worry that people won't listen to them, but I, this is exactly the kind of podcast I would eat up. I try to make shows that I want to listen to. This is one of them. I will go back and listen to this in six months and be like, man, this episode was great. Let's do another music episode and it'll be time for one. So that'll be good. Just a long ass podcast with a bunch of cool music. It's the shit you want. Exactly. Yeah. Get you through the day. Jackson, for the last time for 2017, please plug our shit. Okay, well, if you listened to last episode, this went very badly, so. <laughs> Let's go. I am at Headfuls Off on Twitter. You can follow me there. You can find all of the shows we do on abnormalmapping.com. We have Second Officer Slog, a Star Trek podcast where we read Star Trek books and watch Star Trek episodes at Star Trek Podcast.space. I do uh, the Amory School. Uh, with Molly, that is at ironeedmayo.com if you want us to yell about Coheed and Cambria. We have just launched Novel Not You, that is Jen, Colin, and you. You do that, where you read visual novels. It is a good podcast. Uh, and we also host Fireside Friends, which is hosted by Ryan and Alan. It is a good show that is at firesidefriends.net. Uh, we're hoping to get Novel Not New on iTunes soon. It might already be up. We don't know. Behind the scenes God, it stuff. it better be. Yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's all a nightmare, but that is how it is. Uh, do we have anything else? Did you plug your Twitter? I don't remember. I did. I did it right at the start because you always ask me if I plug okay. my Twitter. Haha, no, <laughs> no, you just... fucked up this time. Yes! <laughs> all the Abnormal Mapping podcasts are made possible by your support at uh, patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. For $1 or more a month, you will get a new specific podcast for Patreon subscribers called The Great Gundam Project. We watch two episodes of Gundam a week. We talk about them. It is a good time. We will be doing this for the next decade. Please enjoy. Uh, we are By the time this comes out, we will be very near the end of the original Mobile Suit Gundam and ready to dive right into Zeta. So it's a great time to be on board Gundam. Uh, I, of course, am on Twitter at EM underscore being the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash normal mapping. I'm probably still playing Dark Souls too. I can't imagine I would be done with it by the end of this month. So, I mean, you're going to slow down. You will be doing longer yeah. videos less times a week, is my guess. Uh, I don't want to do long videos, but sure. That game is more suited to playing for an hour and poking at it than I understand that. Okay. But I don't want to be doing that. Well, we'll uh, see how anyway, this goes. Anyway, <laughs> that's it. Jackson. We have one more Sonic song. No, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I was going to be earnest and say Happy New Year. It was great podcasting with you in 2017. I look forward to next year. (laughs) I was going to be earnest if you stepped on it to plug a joke. Oh, hoisted. (laughs) Truly hoisted. You were going to be nice to me for once. And now look what I've done. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was going to be a Christmas miracle and you shat all over it. Here we go. This is what it's like. (laughs) yesterday or today before recording this you publicly called me out on twitter for not being ready to record quick enough uh yeah i despite the fact that we are in radically different time zones in a way this shouldn't ever happen i woke up uh (laughs) two hours after you went to bed look this wasn't like even for me this was abnormal like i went to sleep at about 10 a.m in the morning uh 
it's about time. Like I say, waiting for the doctor's moment to get back on some proper antidepressants, because you know what? Yeah. Don't like living like this. Not a fan. Uh, before the last song and we get out of here, next month, of course, if you didn't listen to the last episode, we will have a Patreon supporter, Sam, on to talk about Child of the Colossus. Please play that or think about it, at very least, before we talk about it. Think about it. Think, think about it. Jackson, what is our last song? Uh, it is from Mario Odyssey. It is Honeyloon Ridge Escape. It is uh, by Naoto Kubo and Shihio Fuji. Again, uh, this is... You'll understand why I said Sonic Song. If you've played Mario Odyssey, you'll know the song. It's a good jam. Please enjoy. Thank you very much for listening. It has been great podcasting this year. I can still say it. Thank you. Yeah, that was great. I, I, <laughs> re- I really look forward to next year. I'm trying to be earnest. Why are you laughing at me? Because you went, oh, no, it was great. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to the next year. Is that it? Is that really where we're ending this podcast? <laughs> Fuck you. Fuck you. Now this is where we're ending this podcast. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> Together we're racing for the goal.